Welcome to The Danger Room, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast focused on helping you prepare for the opponents you are yet to face. We discuss strategy, tips, tricks, and things that you should be considering to level up your gameplay. Don't forget to join us on our free Discord, or if you feel so inclined to become a Patreon, as we discuss MCP on a daily basis. The links will be in the description. On the podcast, regular members include Dizzard, Jacob, Mike, and Sploosh. Welcome back to another week of The Danger Room, and today we have Mike, Jacob, and myself. Um, it's always weird to say saying that. Anyways, let's get right into it. Uh, Jacob, what do you got for Zero Protocols this week? Uh, so first, I want to start with a big thank you to a lot of the participants of Season 7. The What, what I looked at today was looking at the priority and the win percentage of people with and without priority. And I can only do that for those of you who are recording priority on your uh, results when you're inputting them into uh, TTO. So about just, just over half of the games so far in the first two rounds that have already been completed uh, have recorded who had priority as well as who won. Uh, and so that allows us to get an idea. Um, and it's quite interesting to look and then kind of lead into a conversation about it. So uh, it's 86 wins with priority and 68 without that have been recorded, which is a 56% win rate. I just wanted to caveat that around a quick check on uh, what the probability of that happening given a 50-50 split was, and it came out as 8%, so P equals 0.08, which means this is not statistically significant data yet. We need a larger sample size, so the sample size, even though it's 150-something, is still not small enough to be firm in our conclusions. However, I think it's indicative and it's interesting to discuss. So looks like winning priority is still better, which given some of the changes around how the crisis works, we weren't sure whether that would still be the case. And I think that leads in nicely to a conversation about our views on priority in the current meta. Sure, uh, I guess I could start. The I personally want to win prio every game. Uh, I want to play on my secures more than anything else. Um, and I think it's because you can build, you can tune your list to have good squads at every threat. So your opponent being able to pick the threat value is probably less important than being able to pick your half of the crises because um, it dictates the shape that your list is built to play on often. Um, and against good lists, they'll be able to play at any threat. So, uh, and you also just get to go first. <laughs> uh, so uh, whether that's a pass or it's a first to the extracts, it can be a big deal. Hmm. Does it, you've kind of been finding a little bit the opposite. Am I right in thinking that you kind yeah, of? Yeah, I, I think that um, it really depends on what list you're bringing on if you want priority or not priority. With my list that I'm currently playing, I actually prefer to not have priority because one, I like picking the threat value. Like Mike says that you can basically, you should, if you have a competitive list, you should be able to play at any threat value. And I, I believe this is true. However, um, with x-force specifically um i guess the best way to say it is depending on the threat value i can bring different things that really just like exponentially change the game um like let's look at this this, this let's get into the rounds this uh later but my week two was against brotherhood i would have much rather had no priority or it had him had a priority versus me because he was able to pick 20 because it was um gamma and uh Krikor. 
And I would have much rather played against Mags on 15 versus 20 because it really limits what he can bring. Um, and in most cases, this is the case because I want to limit what my opponent can bring. Somebody brought up the thought to me that X-Force is actually better at lower threats uh, because you're bringing people down to a level that they don't normally feel comfortable playing at uh, for most uh, most teams. Because like, if I had the same playing Black Order, if it was the same scenario, I'd much rather give Black Order 15 than 20. Um, yeah. it's, it's just kind of like the whole concept of that as well with my list I like the stalling maneuvers and I like not having the first move so if I can give my opponent the first move and then still be able to stall with Honey Badger it puts me in a much better spot to be able to have agency on getting damage out round one as well as um, being able to keep parity as well so I, I like that for that aspect because I like to stall for the first like two two activations of the game. So that's kind of like the way I look at it with X-Force. This is like just my current list with X-Force. I don't like having priority with it. Um, that's just how I play it. But I could see, I, I think it completely revolves around what team you're playing. Because like if I'm playing Syndicate, I think I want priority because then I can like, more than likely, I'm gonna get the secures I want, or if I have like a super crazy extract plan, I'm gonna get that. So it really comes down to what affiliation you're planning, in, in my complete opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely jive with that. I, I think I want priority with my list so that I can look at their extracts and secures and decide which is the one I want to dodge. Uh, Cause I'm pretty happy with all of mine. I'm comfortable to play on any of my stuff. Um, and so being able to go, well, I really don't want to play on that pay to flip. So that uh, it's not obvious whether I'm going to play uh, Criminal Syndicate or Black Order, kind of get some of those mind games going on. So yeah, I think I want priority. Do, do we think it's uh, like a big advantage? I mean, fifty six percent is you know it's not tiny. I think that like, one of the bigger advantages that come into like, I'm, I'm gonna go back to like saying like, more non priority stuff just because like I'm actually a big advocate for it right now um picking table edge i think has never been more important um brotherhood is massive right now uh they're the second top biggest affiliation in the league currently and being able to determine how much magneto like how much terrain magneto is going to have on his approach to like the battle can be huge um like i'm gonna go ahead and stick every single size four on this map in your deployment zone so like asteroid m sure if you want to keep magneto in the back end that I'm just going to fight on my half and hold secures or whatever. Uh, so being able to like limit stuff like that with having ter um, the terrain option of where you go, as well as having certain maps that like can screw over uh, deployment, having certain maps that favor you for throwing terrain. Um, like I think map edge is also extremely important, more so now than it ever has been, uh, along with everything. I just, I just, I personally feel like you actually get more advantage not having priority than you do having priority. Um, because like Mike said, if you're planning for every single threat value, you should also be planning to be able to play on every single scenario, right? So why does it matter what you're picking? Uh, so for me, at least it's because it, it just gets a lot less dicey when I can yeah. play uh, my secures. If my opponent wants to put me on like in the middle or something and then I have to dice them or, you know, like there will be things that are not sure gambles. Okay, well, and, riddle me this. I got, I got something for you on this one. If we look at like the secures and the extracts, it's like not very evenly spread. It's very like polarizing as to what extracts and secures are most taken, right? 
so it's almost like everybody's almost playing the exact same list in most cases. Um, at least that's this is something that I've been noticing is you're going to see a lot of hammers. You're going to see a lot of demons downtown. That's two out of your six already um, that are going to be the same that almost everybody has. Like, granted, it's not going to be every single list, but the odds are in your favor that your opponent is well, probably playing the same stuff that you are. Yeah, I think as a general, like across the field, maybe that's true. But uh, if we're talking about my list in particular, most yeah. people do not play map D. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's because my list plays the two best factions on map D, and most people just suck at it. So yeah. that was like partly why I paired them together in the first place. So like, I really want to play a map D. So maybe the secret to this is playing a faction that just sucks at all scenarios. Um, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, can't go I mean, much like, farther I, down. I mean, to be maybe that's like where my mindset goes with this. Is I think like X Force as a whole is like mediocre at every single scenario. There's nothing. There's not a single scenario that they are super excelling at, and there's not a scenario that they're just complete garbage on. Um, so they're like just middle of the road on every single scenario. So maybe that's why I have this like viewpoint on it is I don't care what scenario it is. I care more about the threat value and the table edge. And um, to me, that is more important. But I think that might be why I think that way. I mean, I've heard people say similar about Guardians in that they're yeah. just like not good, not bad at everything. But I mean, if you're not good at things you're kind of just like not bad at things by implication. So like, say for example, your X-Force list had some crisis that it was extremely good on. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to feel pretty bad when you're not playing on it. Whereas like, you just don't have that option in the game right now. So it's yeah. kind of whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and to put it in perspective, my LVO list that I'm playing now can play everything in the game at every threat level. I just obviously prefer certain setups and like, I don't think any, my, any matchup for me on any crisis is worse than a 50, 50. Mm -hmm. mm. So I, I keep talking about this, but I think another thing that this comes back to for like my list specifically is I pretty much, no matter what the mission is, I'm playing the same game plan. Um, I try to, I, I, cause I was talking to somebody about this the other day on a discord and it's, I kind of have this mindset of when I'm playing is what, how many VPs can I allow my opponent to score? So like, regardless of what scenario it is, it's kind of what's going through my head is I know I'm not going to be getting ahead of VPs this turn. How much can I get away with letting you score? Um, I think maybe that's like probably the, maybe the wrong way to think about it in certain lists, but I think that kind of comes hand in hand with this whole um, not being great, not being bad at anything is I can kind of just, like hope for parity and then go like last resort. How much can I allow you to score? And I think that also kind of ties into the whole not having priority thing. And why I look at it the way I do is it lets me see your movements before I go like now, granted I like priority after the first round, but the, the first round I try to, I hope I don't get priority to be honest. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I just want to shout out. So, Keep putting in your results with priority so I can keep tracking it. And in particular, those of you in Australasia, you had the highest percentage of you reporting your priority. Good job, guys. <laughs> I think what is central the worst? <laughs> uh, we don't we don't shame people here. We we congratulate the people who are doing well and hold them up as role models for everyone else to aspire to. Fair enough.
<laughs> All right. Uh, let's go ahead and jump over to the round two league games. Um, I guess we can talk about Sploosh real quick. He just played his game and finished off. He played CS into Midnight Suns, and he ended up taking the win. What was it? was was uh, Hammers and what? Infinity, Infinity Formula. Yeah, Infinity Formula. So it was a fun game to watch. Um, I think it'll probably be on the VODs on Advanced R&D's Twitch if you want to check that out. But it was kind of cool. It was a good game. Real rough. <laughs> uh, Mike, how did your week go? Uh, yeah, I played a gentleman named uh, Zachary Yu. He's one of Mark's locals in NorCal, like quote unquote local. And uh, he played A-Force, uh, which was like a four wide, like She-Hulk, Crystal, Scarlet, and Deadpool. And uh, he had like a double Hulk, so I opted to play Black Order. I won prior to this game. Um, <laughs> I made the mistake of pulling in Scarlet Witch with Thanos to try to kill her, and then my entire team got judged, and uh, I kind of got messed up, and I had no power to do anything about it. But um, luckily, Corvus was able to one-round She-Hulk, and uh, Mission Objective and Voodoo kept me the core, and uh, that was it. Um but yeah, lesson learned. Probably I'm not going to pull in Scarlet Witch <laughs> again. <laughs> um, but yeah, She-Hulk. She's a huge liability to Corvus. I mean, I knew this. So, um, But yeah, got the W. Uh, I'm still sweating every week. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, at least you're uh, 2-0 and you're not sweating as much as I am right now. So. <laughs> Uh, that is true. <laughs> you you still got some leeway. I don't. I can't risk it. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about mine. I played a fellow named Jay Matrix on Discord. Um, I think he's a local or friend of Ghostier from the the Taco Truck guys. Because uh, is our Taco is our Ghostier Mando? I can't remember now off the top of my head. Anyways, um, real worried about this is because it's like there's a lot to deal with with Mags and the possibility for Mystique as well. And I just need to make sure that things go my way, which it absolutely did not start out that way. Um, <laughs> it was Gamma and Krikor, and he had uh, I had priorities, so he picked 20 threat. And not really what I wanted at all going into Magneto, because he basically gets all the options he wants, and I'm just trying to keep up. Uh, started out real bad, actually, because I dropped the Ron list as far as like my squad. I picked unaffiliated by accident, and I realized shortly after, and he was a awesome sportsman and said, just swap it out so that way it's X-Force. So I swapped out Voodoo and Bullseye for Domino and... Um... Oh, I don't remember now what it was. Uh, I think it was Domino and Zemo, if I remember correctly. Um so that ended up working out rather interestingly. Uh, round one and two were just absolutely trash for me. I got no dice going my way. Basically, almost everybody was dazed going into round three. And then the dice decided to favor me and was able to turn it around and basically KO everybody except for Juggernaut by the end of the game. So ended up being a good win. Um, this kind of goes to show, even if you're round one and round two are going terribly uh don't quit because it was going absolutely terribly with over half my team injured going into round three and was able to turn it around and like the only person i actually ended up losing was badger uh, i think that was it so even if you have a rough start just keep pushing through and 
maybe it'll come out on top. So ended up winning. So we are one and one. X Force is still on the way to the cuts, and we're still in it. So, Jacob, what do you got? So I was playing fellow blogger Chris Young, uh, and he was he's written a blog about the concept he's testing out this season, uh, which is he wants to play Dormammu and Sinister with both of Sinister's cards and uh, like uh, Dark Restoration. So the idea being he's just bringing in an extra like six threat of character into the game, uh, which is a fun idea. Uh, but I dropped Black Order into him and they're really good at controlling Dormammu with Thanos with the Mind Gem and the Cosmic Portal and uh, Corvus is pretty good at taking out any particular target that gets put far enough forward. Um, so uh, he it was a lot closer than I think he thought it was going to be. He had some good dice uh, round three and he managed to KO Corvus despite uh, Dormammu being disarmed. Um, so that kind of put him back in, in the running. Uh, and it actually got really close towards the end, although I pulled out a relatively decent VP lead with three uh, KOs that generated VPs. It came down to uh, the round six, and he had he had some routes to victory available, uh, but then Voodoo's dice just exploded, crazy bananas, and um, that, that took it home for me. Nice. So... Uh had all four of us win this week so awesome all four of us are still on the way to the cuts and we're looking forward to it um it was jacob's uh, round's already been drawn <laughs> yeah there's, there's one one interesting thing that came up uh, and i encouraged chris to write an article about this and we'll put the a link in the show notes something which i hadn't seen before which I, i'm not quite sure why i hadn't seen this i just haven't played anyone doing it about how he positioned his honey badger um, he did this very first activation, which I, I can see an argument against doing this, but uh, he just ran Honey Badger up and sat her on a researcher right smack on top so that mm-hmm. anyone who wanted to sit, who wanted to contest that researcher had to be in ankle biter distance, had to be within one. Um, and he's pointed out in the article, there's, there's a couple of other abilities that arrange one, things like um, Winter Soldier uh, and things like uh, Enchantress or Black Cat. So putting them actually on top of a thing actually can be quite a decent place to, to position them. So like I said, there'll be a, a link in the show notes to have a look at that article. But um, I thought that was interesting and I hadn't seen that before and I thought that was good positioning. And that often it's quite hard to talk about positioning on a podcast without visual things, but I thought that was one that translated <laughs> quite well. Yeah, it's, it's a very good play. I, I completely agree. Um, like you said, like sometimes you probably don't want to do that. I would highly advise if the opponent has a Mystique with Deception. That would not be the best play. <laughs> or uh, Thanos with a Mind Gem and Cosmic Portal. I didn't actually sucker in because I wanted to go yeah. stand the Researcher, but still, I, I could have done. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a neat play for sure. Uh, Jacob, you have something you want to talk about for the Dormammu OP kit. Yeah, so in, instead of doing hot takes, we're still holding off on uh, seeing the full grunts and some of the tactics cards before we get into our hot takes on some of those characters. Um, but at my local game store, we ran the Domain of the Dread Dormammu uh, event, the OP kit. So this isn't the, the Ultimate Encounter. This is the the, the one-day event kit where you get a, a limited edition alt art strange, uh, OG Strange um, and an alt art, but incorrectly printed now, um, Advanced R&D and a cool alt art demons downtown which is fun uh and it's uh the setup is you've got one team which is defending the dread domain of dormammu where you only where you have 17 a normal 17 threat team and they have instead of having their normal leadership you have dormammu's leadership and you have someone who's the entity who bamps around 
and the people who are attacking only get 12 threat, but they get reinforcements through the game. Um, and they don't score VPs, they just have to get the entity, to KO the person that's got the entity on them four times. Uh, and the entity will jump to somebody new once they get KO'd or dazed. So they've got to make that happen four times. And there's some, so there's, I've, I've got mixed feelings about it. There's some really nice things in it. So let's start with the good things. Uh, the good things were, I, you know, I liked the way there was a small initial force and then you got the waves of reinforcements. I thought that was, that was kind of cool and very different kind of gameplay. Um, I really liked, they had a mechanic in it where you can sort of, there's three relics that you have to go and get and bring back to the middle. And if you do that, then it insta-dazes the, whoever's currently got the entity, which means that makes, it's kind of a balancing mechanic for if you put it on, like, say, Hulk, and you're just like, oh, this is going to be a real pain to get it, to, to KO Hulk, and I have to work really hard. No, I don't have to do a single damage to him. I just walk here, pick that up, walk it over there, do this, do all of that, and then, boom, Hulk's KO'd. Hooray. Um, so I really liked the, the thought that had gone into that as well. I thought that was really neat. My issues with it were... And it's not, let me lay it out, this is not designed as a quest event. This is a fun um, fun day out with, with the guys in your local game store. And it was that. I did have good fun doing it. But I had a kind of a, the, the nuts and bolts of the mechanics, particularly around the reinforcements, were kind of weird in that the defender scores victory points by control, by flipping three portals. So you're in the realm of the Dreadnought Marmor and you're being invaded by the attackers and you want to go and shut down their portals. And doing that scores you victory points and you get one victory point for shutting off one portal each round and three victory points for shutting off two and six victory points for shutting off three. So it's in your interest to go and shut off portals because you score. So one, one time when I was playing the defender, I managed to get on the round one, I shut off two portals and on the round two, I shut off three portals. So I was suddenly sitting very nicely on nine victory points. But the mechanics of the reinforcement then say, well, okay, because I've shut down the portals, you're not going to get as much reinforcement. The way that works is you get a three threat plus the number of portals that are that haven't been shut down by the defender. So it's between uh, three and six threat worth of character that you can get to come in. And it just felt a bit odd. Uh, we were actually playing it wrong, but we I talked at length with uh, Nick, who's in our Discord, one of my locals, um, about this. And we, we were playing it wrong um, because we thought this was a rubber banding mechanic where... If the Dormammu player, the if the defender, the one who's like the Dormammu leadership, if they do really well and they're like, man, I got six victory points this turn. I'm so close to winning. So you only need to get 13 to win the whole thing. Um, if you're doing really well, you get more reinforcements because that's kind of that rubber banding, that idea that if you're behind, you get pulled back up a bit more. You get a little bit of an extra boost. Um, and so we'd interpreted, we'd read the rules badly and thought, well, that makes sense to us so that if you're, you know, checks out. Whereas actually what should have happened is he should have got fewer reinforcements because I was doing well. And this to me, it felt a bit like, you know, on the sword crisis where when you win and you get the three VPs and you get to boot someone offshore as well, it just feels like, well, that doesn't feel right. Uh, I thought that the rubber banding, that like bringing up the person who's not doing as well, is what the scenario needed. Um, and we played, we actually played our games like that. The trouble was it caused problems later on where I actually couldn't bring in, when I was the attacker, I couldn't bring in someone because he just ignored the crisis. So it's got really, really great ideas, but the nuts and bolts of the mechanics just felt a little bit off to me. 
Having said that, it was still good fun. I'd still recommend going and doing it, but I don't think it was as good as the uh, the Symbiotes one. That one that one was great fun and felt really good. I think part of the element of that was this was still 1v1, whereas you've got that multiplayer, that four-player, and it turns into sort of a three-on-one, and it's kind of the hot potato who the, who the one is that is being beaten up by the other three. And so that's got an element of sort of self-balancing in it. So... I'd, I'd recommend going and doing it. You get some cool stuff for it, but just the design, it wasn't as good as some of the other ones, I thought. Yeah, my, my favorite was... Uh, I think for the OP kits, the Symbiote was the best. I still haven't played Vibranium Heist, and I've been itching to, to give it a burn. Um, But I, I still think outside of the normal MCP rules, D- Dormammu's Ultimate Encounter was the best thing that they've produced uh super fun i love that encounter yeah i've heard that i need to give that a whirl it feels a lot better than thanos thanos is very oppressive in his ultimate encounter the dormammu is is not as bad yeah the thanos one you go in and you go right we know this is hard i think i remember like when they were in development and they were telling us about these ultimate encounters they said that no one in testing, no one at AMG had managed to beat the Thanos encounter at the hardest difficulty. Just, it's just it's, go in knowing that is hard. You've got to have a plan. You've got to think about it and have a strategy and tech for it in your selection of, of people and actually go in and treat it like a puzzle to solve because it's just so grueling and punishing otherwise. Well, I've, I have played Thanos on the on the highest difficulty. Um, one of my locals played Thanos and I played with another local and we played the crisis teams and he was like holding back and like kind of memeing and we still got destroyed. And like we, <laughs> we had even like tuned our lists uh, to like be good on it in theory. And yeah, there was no hope. <laughs> so yeah, it's brutal. All right. Well, uh, speaking of Thanos, um, Jacob put up a poll sometime in the what, last two weeks yeah. um, up in the Discord, and it was asking what people want to like see as far as like how you play against them for an episode. And with an overwhelming highest vote of Black Order, we're going to be discussing how to play against Black Order today. So um, I don't know, Jacob, do you want to kick us off as you're the one playing Black Order currently? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, Mike's, Mike's playing Black Order too, right? I mean, he's playing Little yeah. Warrior Black Order. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, Jacob's not playing Mono Black Order either. Um, oh, that's right. I've been playing a lot of Black Order lately because I can't seem to win Prio. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I think there's a number of different ways to go about thinking about this, and I guess we should start at roster construction because that's kind of the earliest step of the process. I think um, if you're aiming to build a competitive roster, I think you should be thinking about Black Order at roster construction and thinking in terms of crises and in terms of cards and characters, just, just, just everything. It should be not the number one thing you're thinking about, but it should be, we've talked about gauntleting before about thinking about, right, well, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? It's probably your number one gauntlet. And I've heard, um, like I was hearing sooner talking on the gamers guild podcast, um, talking about the lists that they were running. And his question was, what's your plan against back order? And it, it should be one of the things you're thinking about. So having that in mind and sort of framing it that way that we're, when we're talking about all these things, cards and tactics and strategies you can do on the table and general approaches, keep some of those in mind when you're building your roster. I think that's probably where to start. 
yeah, I mean, so there's like playing into Black Order is very uh, emotionally draining, to say the least, and um, it, it takes some trial and error to figure out what you like into them. And uh, despite like what people say, uh, there's definitely a list of things that I think that are good. And I've playing Black Order now. I've learned like what I don't like my opponents doing into me. Um, so I, I don't know where you want to start, Dizzard. I think, I think uh, Jacob has it. Like, let's start with like the roster construction. Like, what you want to bring if you're planning for Black Order at all, because you you do have to like incorporate that stuff into your list. Like, what stuff you don't want to bring, or what stuff you do want to bring. Like, yeah. I know back when Black Order was like the big boogeyman, um, as far as like nobody wanted to see black order at all nobody knew how to like stop it like it was like why are you playing creek core because black order is just going to destroy you on it why are you playing scrolls because it's like those single extracts but now you have agency on those because of voodoo or black cat um mm. so like kind of like talking about like starting with like the roster construction portions like what are some things that like you should be considering about your roster going into black order yeah i mean maybe it's worth just um putting pause on that for a second and just talking quickly about Black Order's game plan, just yeah. in case you haven't seen it before, uh, which is they're going to bring Thanos. He's going to have at least one gem. He nearly always has the mind gem. If he has a second gem, the most popular one at the minute is space, but there's a good argument you can make for power, which is what I'm running at the minute. Um, so you're looking at a seven or eight threat Thanos, and normally uh, anything from... 15 or 16, depending on whether it's 7 or 8 threat Thanos, you're going to be seeing Corvus and Proxima. Uh, the idea being that Corvus is going to blend something. He's got mothership to get him where he needs to go to blend something. And then you've got the ability to retain priority despite uh, dazing someone because of husband and wife. So their game plan is kill stuff. Uh, they've got a really great tool set for doing that. They can mothership Corvus in by um, moving Thanos up twice, for example, and just mothershipping in and also doing like a mind gem. You can also just have Thanos uh, move mind gem and then Cosmic, Cosmic Portal mind gem and reel someone in for Corvus to blend. So often what they're going to want to do is to daze someone and then KO them top of the next turn. So if they can daze someone in round one, then they're KOing them top of round two. If they, if you can delay that first daze until round two, then they're not KOing them until round three. And I think that's that's the number one piece of advice, I guess, against Black Order, is try and not have someone get dazed round one. Not only have you got the problem that they're going to KO them top two, but you normally don't have the power to field dressing them. Uh, which is a really good card against Black Order, but we'll get to cards in a bit. So just a quick overview of what their game plan is and what they're aiming to do. So they'll often take off one of your models off the table and do a, uh, then control with Thanos or just do more attrition in order to... Maybe they, they get to a slight disadvantage on VPs in the early game, but then the attrition starts to weigh in and then they stretch that to... Normally it's not a, a wipe off the table. Normally it is a scenario victory that they tend to go for, but scenario through attrition. And also the leadership gives them VPs, right? So. Yeah, for sure. But um, importantly, and we'll get to this, only on Thanos' healthy side. Yes. Um, and I, I remember we've done some interviews with Cookie before, uh, and I think like uh, Finger Guns, talking about how important that leadership is. You shouldn't undervalue it in terms of those extra VPs making it so that it's possible to win. 
Yeah, Thanos's healthy leadership is definitely very important. Um, Thanos dazing very early is pretty much a loss <laughs> for the Black Order player. Uh, it's so it's really really bad. You have to, as a Black Order player, he, they have to play him very cagely because um, if you're if you're able to just spike into him and he dazes, it's you know he loses leadership, he loses portal. He's basically yeah. just a mind gem like punch bot at that point. Yeah, he is Destacree, but so I guess it's worth outlining the broad I think there's sort of three main ways that I see to go about beating Black Order. Uh way one is to race them. So you need a fast crisis for this, probably Creecor or Scrolls, where there's only two VPs available on the extract, is probably not the way that you're gonna do this. So you need a relatively fast crisis combination, by which I mean something like eight to nine VPs available in total per round. Uh, if you've got eight, then it's doable, but nine or more is, is really what you're after so that you can try and go, well, do you know what? I'm going to score five and then five and then six, and then I'm going to I'm going to be at 16, so I'm going to win that way. That's one way to approach it. But uh, because we haven't got control of crises anymore, that's not always going to be uh, a viable option for you. We'll talk a little bit more about how to do that. Um, the other two ways are about targeting specific characters. And those two specific characters are either KOing Corvus or Dazing Thanos. And we've kind of already touched on the Dazing Thanos bit because then you're getting rid of the Cosmic Portal, you're getting rid of the leadership. So having committing early to one of those plans can be one route to victory or a different way to a route to victory. Um, I have a question for you here. I mean, I know know my answer, but if it comes down to it, what should the priority be? Dazing Thanos or KOing Corvus? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I think it depends a little bit on the crisis setup. If it's a, a punch up in the middle, you're probably, I think I'd lean towards taking out Corvus. If it's uh, like a D shape, then I think Thanos is probably, Thanos's teleport, the Cosmic Portal is a bigger deal on those shapes. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, it depends on the secure shape as to where you go with okay. that. Um, well, here's that's a rough rule of thumb. <laughs> here's, here's something I got for you. Round two, who is your first activation nine times out of 10 if you're playing Corvus. Black Order? Yeah. Corvus. Round three, who is your first activation? Yeah, it's probably Corvus. Okay, so why are you going to go after Corvus when you have the potential to take out Thanos before he goes? Okay, so so I have some opinions on this before we you know go down a hypothetical road. So <laughs> killing Corvus is definitely your if it's early enough in the game, mm-hmm. and by early I mean like pre like round four or earlier. That's like your best option. Yeah. Um. Now, oftentimes Thanos will get dazed because. Corvus will have already activated and like killed mm-hmm. a character or two. And then if you're that, pl- if you're the, uh, the opposing player and you're able to daze Thanos before he activates or force Thanos to activate too early, they're in really bad shape. Yes. Um, that's often where the Thanos dazes come from. I would not try to daze Thanos as your main priority mm-hmm. unless they just like play him way too aggressively and he's up the table and you're able to like shoot at him and stuff like that. And you happen to spike or whatever. If you spike into him, then maybe you just commit and drive it home. Yep. But I would not rely on that. Um, if yeah, if you're able to deny a Thanos activation at any point, um, the Black Order player probably loses. 
Or if so, they like, if he's in danger, they force him to go early. It's also, yeah, like I said, really bad. Um, I think, it, yeah, I, I don't think necessarily there are times when going first with Thanos is the right thing for the Black Order player to do. Well, it's uh, not like really if he's threatened, isn't it? Like if he's threatened and like it's like okay, if I go with Corvus and do Murder Machine and kill who's threatening Thanos, then I'm fine. But if Corvus isn't in the spot to protect Thanos like he should be, then you kind of have to go with Thanos. Like you're saying, like force Thanos to go. That's how you do it. Is you make it so where Corvus isn't guaranteed to get the kill, um, and so Thanos has to go to do his movement shenanigans to put him back into safety, but not yeah. putting Corvus at risk. If you're the player playing into Black Order and you and you you were able to manufacture a situation where you're, the Black Order player has to play Thanos first, you're feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, yeah, it means uh, you've got some good good tech going on there, good strategies. I think it comes down to what's like being an opportunistic. If you're playing with that type of mindset into Black Order, you're gonna have a lot better time instead of like. A specific game plan this is what i have to do i think it needs to be okay do i have a better chance of taking out corpus or taking a better chance of taking out thanos and whichever is most likely is probably the one you go for like if corpus goes and he just dazes like let's say one person beginning of two or better yet they ko that person because that's probably what's happening um now what like what's your options like do i have someone who can actually get to thanos and potentially kill him because thanos really isn't that hard to take out if you really think about it if you have a dedicated killer um first thing comes to mind of course for me is 23 because 23 is going to be middle of the board by that point and probably in range to be able to hit thanos if they moved at all um So what I like to do typically is I, I will hunt Thanos down for round two and ignore Corvus if I have the opportunity to. Like if 23 is starting her activation within range three of Thanos, she you better believe she's going into him because he's only defense three and he's shirking one damage, sure. But like defense three, we talked about it last week. How much damage is 23 doing on average? What, three? Three to four? So you do that twice, you probably daze in Thanos for round two. Yeah, I mean, Medpack is um, almost staple to Black Order. If you're playing Black Order, yeah. you've certainly got Medpack in there. So you've got to account for that as well, um, which adds an extra three health to his already decent eight. So you've got to think of Thanos as having 11 health with damage reduction one on all of the attacks, and it's going to take at least four attacks to kill him. So really, we're talking about 15 health. That's kind of a good ballpark in your head. I've got to do yeah. 15 damage to him to get through his med pack and to get through his uh, damage reduction. And it might even be as high as like 17, depending on how your attack rolls go. That's fair. I just, I, I don't know. Like every time I look at Black Order and I'm thinking about it, like I personally feel like I want to, if I have the opportunity, I'm going into Thanos. Like, because Corvus is already activated. There's no point of going into Corvus and giving him more power. Um, to start off round three, just KOing two people. Yeah, I'd rather just good. go into Thanos and limit what he can do uh, during his turn on round two. So if I can get to Thanos round two and throw as much into him as I can, I typically feel better about that than going for Corvus. But if I don't have a line to Thanos, then I'm going to go for Corvus. Mm. It all just depends on what the board state is, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And I, I think you need to keep that in mind uh, when you're sort of that adaptability and reacting situation. You're absolutely right. Um, general principle, though, it tends to be so broad brush strokes here. 
and there are exceptions, you want to probably be running more models. You're not uh, going to reliably steal priority off Black, or off Black Order. They've got an eight threat character and they've got this priority manipulation in husband and wife. So you need to be equally as narrow and have also some kind of priority manipulation in order to not have that happen. Um, now, things can start getting dazed and things. Uh, so you can, it is a viable strategy, but a very risky one to go like three wide into their three wide and then go, well, if you daze me, if I've got priority, if you daze me, I'm going to keep priority even through your shenanigans. That's um, not true, Jacob. You're you, right. You need to be too wide. Too wide into them. Be, uh, it depends whether it's activated or not, but is that is that right? No, yeah, because if Corvus and Proxima days and undays character in a three wide list, uh, they still keep priority with husband and wife. Mm, no, because yeah, because then the three wide list still has two characters. But if I have priority to start, I'll keep it. Uh, you're saying as yeah. the Black Order player? No, no, no. So I'm the non-Black Order player. I've got three characters. I move one and do a thing so I have priority. I have two characters left. You daze one. I've only got one character left, so I'm going to keep priority. Uh, that's not true either. Uh, you, they can husband and wife before you uh, go with two characters. Uh, they can just husband and wife from yeah. first activation. It makes what it does is it makes it harder for the Black Order player because they sure. have to target an activated character rather than an unactivated character, which might be the character that they want to do. So the character you want to protect in that situation is the one you act with first as the person who's gone three wide with priority against Black Order. So it's harder. I'm not saying I, it's not a strategy that I really sign up to. Like I said, I think the better strategy is to try and go five characters against their against their three or six against their four, or maybe even seven or eight against their four, depending on the threat level. Because then when you, you've got to think, well, they are almost trivially going to remove one of my characters, and they can pretty much pick which one it is. It's not always true. Someone like a Hulk, they're not going to just trivially remove him, but they, they can get there if they really work on it. So you've got to think, um, well, what is my team going to do if I lose my most important piece for whatever reason? Um, so as a result, I think generally wider teams are the right approach in order to then go, well, okay, you've taken out one of my characters. Uh, I can still go and I've got plenty of bodies to hold extracts or go and sit on secures. Yeah, I think going wide, I think you really want to be pushing six to more, six wide or greater. I think five, four and five models is where Blackwater wants you to be. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that sweet spot three good. models is at 16, though, and getting six wide at 16, there's not every team can do that. Yeah, 16 is exceptionally bad um, going into them. Um, but if you're able to get 17 or more, uh, most teams can run six wide at 17 with three fives and a two. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, it's better to forsake your leadership <laughs> in your tactics cards uh, if you have, like, the right set of models. Mm. Um I've done that in the past. That's a good segue, I guess. So who are the best models to bring against Black Order? Yeah. So you just want me to start laundry listing some characters? Yep. Let's try and try and sort of put them in some sort of order where we think the best ones are at the top. Cool. Let's start with three, so, let's start with, uh, three threads. <laughs> yeah. So I think the best three thread is easily Iron Fist into Black Order. Uh, Iron Fist cannot be pierced. 
he because he has martial artist counts blanks. Corvus only attacks at range two, typically. If Corvus is using his range four attack and Iron Fist, you're happy about it. Um, Cor- Iron Fist, if he manages to live through a Corvus turn, he can then probably activate Thanos. Um, and that is definitely a loss for the Black Order player. I don't think I've seen anyone recover from that. And he can be field dressed with like full power from dying. <laughs> And then he can go activate somebody or something like that. And he has Heroes for Hire, which uh, diverting Black Order attacks is very powerful because then they can't focus fire you. And he just randomly has the throw on Heroes for Hire. Um, your best case scenario is like you Heroes for Hire an attack, you live through it, you now have power to like spend Earth Thanos and you just like go over to him and just fist him. And then Thanos can't do anything, Corvus got knocked away. Uh, they're pretty bad. They're in a pretty bad situation. Do you want to dig in a little bit more to why Heroes for Hire is particularly good against Black Order, apart from the throw? Yeah, yeah. So I said it, it diverts attacks. Um, Black yeah, Order really wants to good. focus fire a character. If they like daze a character and then they can't finish it with like the next activate next round or something and because of sacrifice or bodyguards or Heroes for Hire, uh, that character gets to counterpunch them with their full power bar. Um, and that, that can be an issue. And you're also denying, like, you know, being down a body and giving them a KO VP. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, Iron Fist is is dead good. Um, And I Um, I think you're seeing a lot of uh, voodoo in uh, Black Order rosters and trying to choose a threat level, so basically avoiding 20, uh, where they can't run voodoo. Although he's quite common at seventeen, he's uh, often you'll get Thanos, eight, eight threat Thanos, Corvus with a reality gem, and Voodoo as the seventeen, three three wide seventeen. So the Black Order player might see the Iron Fist and be trying to deploy or uh, move Voodoo towards trying to neutralize Iron Fist with um, Mystic attacks. Yes, there's some caveats to that. The the problem is that. If Voodoo is going to go first to try to daze Iron Fist, uh, that means Corvus is not going first, and your opponent can then daze your Corvus before you get to go with them. Uh, yep. That's terrible. So oftentimes the Black Order player just has to like, probably backstop if they have Proxima uh, for the Heroes for Hire and uh, just try to chew through it and pray that you're able to punch through Iron Fist. Yep. And you know, deny him getting field dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so after Iron Fist, uh, should we talk about Ghost Spider? She's pretty good. Yeah, I think one is decent. Um, so what we're really into here is the lifesaver, um, and just having her hang back so that she's not going to be target number one because she's pretty squishy against Corvus. Uh, but having her sort of in the in the mid to back field, so that she can pull back anyone that uh, Corvus is committed towards, and if you can do that after they've had to either spend a move action or maybe use Mothership to bring Corvus in, uh, that can be a real backbreaker uh, when Corvus just doesn't get to punch the person he wants to punch. Yeah. So the big problems with this is to keep Gwen far enough away so that she doesn't she isn't the one getting killed. And secondly, if they have Proxima, they'll often just go with Proxima first and move behind your character in line with Gwen so that they can't be lifesavered. 
Um, so Gwen is, is a more situational uh, tech piece, kind of in line with the escort for, to safety, which we can get to the text cards later. Yep. Um, but yeah, Gwen's, she's better than most models, but she's no Iron Fist. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, what about, what, should we just lump all the bodyguards together and there's different quality of bodyguards, you know? Um, uh, yeah, I still... Not the same as... Uh, not the same as someone like um, like Steve, for example. No, you really want like the character. You you don't want like the Luke Cage Black Dwarf bodyguards because those characters will get moved away from Thanos or by Thanos at some point, and you the Black Order player can just get around it. Whether it's like uh, a, you know proxima move mothership a character outside of bodyguard range, fine. But like Corvus I, can't move your opponent's characters, so like if you have a Steve Rogers or an Okoye, something like that. Oftentimes they have to just punch through it or respect it. I have a caveat to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Badger is probably the only exception because with her, you're kind of forcing them to go with Thanos first or put up with her. Yeah. Um, and she's only a two threat, so you're not committing a big part of your list. And if that's the model they're choosing to focus fire down and take out first, you kind of don't care. Wait, yep. why? Why? Because like if you're not going with... So let's say you have Badger next to Corvus, or at least within two. Um, she's just going to bodyguard it, and your target you're killing is not going to be there. Then she uses exceptional healing, and like, yeah. And so I just said, stuck. I just said the, how to get around this with Black Dwarf and Luke Cage by not even yeah, attacking but, them. There's nothing okay, to do so, with exceptional healing. If no, that's the situation, saying, then Proxima walks away. Yeah, attacks somebody. Mothership's Corvus outside of this bodyguard crap, and then Corvus is fine to do what he wants. So, like, that's the that's the agency you have as Black Order is you can move away from these kinds of bodyguards, but you cannot yeah. Corvus and Proxima cannot move your opponent's characters. So, like Steve Rogers, Okoye, you have to just deal with them a lot of the time. All, all, all I'm saying is if mother like the same mothership's already used, right? Like typically that's used between round one and two. Um, I've read, very rarely seen it used later than that. Um, if that's the case, then it's kind of forcing your opponent to have to go with Thanos first or just eat Badger. Yeah, depending on the situation, it's probably fine to do Mothership if you're going to just remove two characters yep. or something like that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'm saying. is like I, I think out of yeah. like the, the taunting type of bodyguard, I think Badger's the only one that's like actually causes issues. And well, Cage yeah. has heroes for hire, which is great, but yeah. he, he does still just die. Yeah. Um, the other three threats I'd like to point out, uh, Lockjaw. Um, so Lockjaw is able to go late in a round, on round one in particular, and just move the character that Thanos moved back. And that way, Corvus can just not, he's not able to do like the double tap yeah so just in case the listener's not quite clear we're talking about if thanos has activated early on on round one and moved up and then cosmic portal the mind gem and sort of real done that reeling in process lockjaw can undo a lot of the work that's been done yes thank you thank you for the clarification uh yeah i, I really like lockjaw i played them at Na- i played them at nashcon specifically for this reason um i had like an unaffiliated squad into Black Order with Lockjaw, and it was very good. Well, let's let's dig into that. That sounds great. What was it? 
Uh, so at the time it was uh, Medusa when she wasn't nerfed, uh, Lockjaw, Domino, Okoye, Iron Fist. So it's pretty um, nice as well. And it might have had Enchantress as well. I think that comes out to like 19. Which is quite common because they often play demons, yeah. Yeah, so basically you were able to... Domino and Medusa were able to just kill Corvus. Do, Domino was my, my last three threat that I was going to recommend. Um, she is able to execute Corvus like no one else. Like, he can't roll crits in. And she her rapid fire kind of uh, optimizes damage when the invulnerability that Corvus has. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that squad was able to just all you've got, kill Corvus, and then Lockjaw undoes all of the the Thanos shenanigans. And then you have Okoye and Iron Fist ready to bodyguard anybody that's relevant. How would you um, change that post-nerf? Uh, so I'm actually, I've been toying around with a Dormammu X-Men list. And uh, I still feel like X-Men has one of the best Black Order uh, squads in the game. So I've been playing Domino, Iron Fist, Badger, 23, Gene, something along those lines. Ah, well, let's, let's dig into Gene then. Why is Gene good? Yeah, so Gene, now it's even better because uh, Advanced R&D got nerfed. So before, uh, the Black Order player would just R&D Thanos, or two Thanos to give him four power, and then he would move. And uh, if he was able to... Uh, basically, Gene can only shield mind up one portal or mind gem without any other help or damage or whatever. And um, you, if you're able to keep all your characters inside, like Gene's bubble, Thanos just cannot move you. Um, so you can create like this death ball of gunners that can just shoot Black Order down without getting displaced, and you can stay inside your bodyguards and such. It's really good. Hmm. Um, Doesn't work as well if they're running the power gem, does it? Because then they've got an extra portal on tap. Yeah, so the, the trick with that is that if they are going to cosmic portal a character, let, let's say that let's say they can cosmic portal and mind gem one character. So you just have to keep your character so that after they get cosmic portaled, they are still within range four of Gene. So if that measurement is correct, then you let them portal the character and then you block the mind gem with Gene because they can only mind gem once per turn. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That makes sense. So there's a little bit of like pre-measuring shenanigans going on, but if you're able to like accurately measure that, you just let them portal. And honestly, Thanos's tractor beam is so insane because he's able to move one character twice. If it was just a portal, you're feeling pretty good and safe. Mike, have you got maybe one or two more characters you want to bring up before we move on? Yeah, so I just remembered Scarlet Witch. Um, she can go late in a round and get one attack into Corvus, hopefully. And if she gets a hex on him, uh, it's massive. Corvus really likes to rely on rolling natural crits or his reality gem crits. Um, that way, like, you, Corvus can max only do five damage if he's hexed, unless it gets mm-hmm. desecrate, but uh, still, it's huge. Yeah, and just generally, the status is Shock is another great status on Corvus. Uh, even poison can really mess up their uh, power economy, particularly if if Proxima has spent down to zero, uh, stopping her from activating first and 
because she has to have a power to do the husband and wife. Uh, if she's sitting there on no power, is the Blackwater player going to risk Proxima going and not being able to husband and wife? It's it's might uh, just change their order of operations a little bit. And uh, Root, oh my god, Root is so good on basically anyone. Uh, making Corvus pay more for uh, his Glaive's Edge, making uh, or husband and wife if he's triggering it, uh, husband and wife on Proxima, or all of the things Thanos wants to do, because Root will make him pay one to use the Mind Gem or the Space Gem. So it's just, yeah, statuses generally. I mean, yeah, on high, high threat characters, this is nothing new. Put statuses on high threat characters and they get worse, and they get Unfortunately, a lot worse, a lot worse than a low threat character does because they're a bigger percentage of your team. Right, and uh, you know Groot and Loki. Um, if you can stack them, it gets even more obnoxious. Yeah, uh, they Blackwater is completely crippled typically if that happens. Um, and the last thing about Scarlet is her No More Mutants card. Um, being able to shut down any of Thanos's powers or uh, husband and wife or Glaive's Edge yeah, is Glaive's massive. Edge is- yeah, Glaive's Edge is the one in particular which can really hurt. Yeah. Um, or alternatively on a, a Death's Decree when Corvus is flipped and so you're turning off four dice, that's pretty big. Yeah, anything that taxes or shuts down superpowers is really good into Black Order. Uh, we'll probably touch on this, maybe we'll just talk about it now, but on that same note, just understanding how the rules work around things like Glaive's Edge and Death's Decree if you've got a um, like a Loki trickster uh, or a escort to safety, the the bonuses that they've stacked for that attack, the attack still triggers, and there's an attack cycle. It just ends really quickly, and those bonuses go away. So you can make them waste power on Glaive's Edge and Death's Decree uh, by using those uh, runaway type abilities. Yes, exactly. Characters you like to bring into Black Order. Uh, characters with displacement. So Shuri, either the Stranges, uh, Medusa, basically anybody that has a displacement that could affect Corvus or Thanos, um, particularly Corvus, because if you can push Corvus to make him less efficient, uh, Shuri, yeah, Mothership can like negate this a little bit. But if they've already used it, like they only get that one recovery with Mothership. But if you're using, like, let's say Shuri, and you double push Corvus to where he has to be mm-hmm. in an awkward position, you're forcing that awkward moment to where he has to go with Thanos first, or Corvus, <clears throat> or Corvus is only going to be getting one attack if that um, if he's close enough. Or if you use Strange, just to scalpel him out, or use his attacks on a regular Strange. Um, I think displacing Corvus is huge and. Like I think it's more important to displace Corvus than it is to displace Thanos, because Thanos is just gonna do whatever he wants. He could space jam and then cosmic portal. Like <clears throat> he's the hardest one probably to displace. But displacing Corvus can be huge. Um, could also even displace Proxima if she's already activated, so that way they don't get husband and wife stuff. But I think having displacements helps a lot. Yeah, um, some of those I think are a bit better than others if you're the Corvus player you'll often try and put Corvus base to base so that if you get pushed short you're still within your three um, for your uh, death blow which then you can move in and make a second attack at range two so you get still get the spender and then a builder possibly with Glaive's Edge if you've got enough power 
uh, and you might get the flurry as well, which might get even more to help out with that. So just be be aware of their exact positioning, because if they're putting Corvus right, touching base to base, and you've only got one short move, that's probably not going to be enough to get rid of him. Yep. Yeah, at that point, you're just you might as well do something better with it. Like maybe that's the time that you do want to displace Thanos, so he's wasting his power on repositioning himself. Um, that could be or, an option, but or if Corvus yeah. is spent down and is not going to have four power, then then it's it's still valid. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I I like Strange a lot in the Black Order to be completely honest, just because Scalpel is super annoying. Um, so because Sorcerer Supreme Strange. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's yeah. interesting that matchup can often come down to does Corvus kill Strange because yep. it's just kind of dice and Strange with his rerolls just sometimes randomly lives through it. Corvus's dice go a little bit cold and Strange gets three rolls he needs um, and then suddenly Corvus is standing there like a lemon going oh oops yeah <laughs> uh, or Corvus almost kills him or he does and he just field dressing like field dressing is great against Black Order because it's just like they're gonna kill you you might as well be able to bring them somebody back um, so not, not only that but what you'll typically get is you'll get back-to-back activations at the end of a round so you can yeah. do some really good stuff because you'll have somebody uh who's the last act who's your last activation and so they've all gone they've, they've they've activated all the black order characters you can field dress someone right at the end of a round and then you can just take two turns of doing whatever you like yeah and it doesn't matter because you're not getting priority anyways <laughs> yeah and it, it also delays a round that that character is going to be ko'd yeah, yeah. Which delays their VP and keeps them which the is longer, a very you know, big deal for sure. Um, it's why it's so important because it's really hard to get a field dressing off round one. It's why it's so important to try and delay those round one dazes. Yeah. Um, something I want to just point out though, what I've seen some people try and do, and I've tried this myself, and it just I, I, depends on the crisis, is to be really cagey with their um with their deployments so they're then their terminal activations and just go i am gonna it's fine i will give you a bit of vp lead black order player in order to make sure i you can't it's just impossible for you to daze one of my characters round one um so i'm not going to put anyone right in the middle i'm going to sit on my back secures i'm going to pick up any back extracts but if there's stuff in the middle go for it um, and I'm only going to commit to middle extracts after your big hitters have gone so that I know that they're safe. Yeah. Um, I also have something to say that I should have been paying attention to my round one game of the league, and that is play extremely cagey round one um, into Black Order because if you advance, really, your Thanos is just going to portal whoever it is in and they're dead. Uh, so play super cagey until Thanos goes. Once Thanos is gone, you're pretty free to go swoop stuff up yeah so the rule of thumb is if your character is not behind a your close gamma shelter they are at risk of being tractor beamed and killed it is that far um so keep that in mind if you're on the front end <laughs> of your back secure you you can be killed <laughs> uh, if thanos is like directly opposite you yeah yeah i think if he's in the middle i think it's a bit more you might, you might be safe as in the middle. It depends on the measurements. Yeah, I'm talking around one at least. Like yeah, if Thanos yeah. is moving from deployment. Yeah. Yeah, after round one, it's like you're, you're always at risk. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, but like round one, just play super cagey. Like to be completely honest, like use your stalling activations. Like I again, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is Badger. Like I'll go with Badger, just nudge her up a little bit and like 
kill an activation because it doesn't matter. Uh, I just don't want to lose a character or go for something on the side that Thanos will have no interest in going over there for. Um, not yeah. the side that Thanos is on. <laughs> Another thing regarding like tactics is uh, if the game is late or if it's early still and you're not able to like score the game out before losing and if the black order engages you or has pulled a character in you have to send your entire team into them and fight yeah there is no i'm gonna you know score vps on the other side of the table they will <laughs> they will kill that character and then the pressure will be off and that characters that you were using to score vps are going to be very much out of the fight and they will just get moved off their points and ignored or um, the next one will get reeled in and killed. Yeah, exactly. Black Order really wants to like scalpel characters at a, one at a time. And uh, if if one of yours gets scalpeled, you have to send your entire team in and fight them. Um, so don't don't try to play like a half half game. You, you're you're at that point. You're all in. Uh, sure. Now, if you, if you're like late enough, sorry, if you're like late enough and there's enough VPs that you can run away with, then yeah, sure, do that. But it's often not the case. Mm. Should we hit on some tactics cards? We've, we've mentioned a few already, but let's let's recap. Yeah, uh, so here, here's Friar. <laughs> you know, uh, I, think, I think Sacrifice is probably the next one that's like top of the list. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah I think for the same reason. It's, it's when we saw in the in the stats, it's like one of the top six cards or something people are taking. Um, and yep. I think a lot of the reasons Black Order. It's good in a lot, number of other situations as well about like stealing priority off someone with a sneaky, I'm going to sacrifice onto this character that's only got one health so that then they daze and I get priority next round. That's that's a fun little play, but I don't think that's why people are taking it. Um, I would argue exceptional healing if you're playing characters that can use it is wonderful because yeah. it could it means Corvus has to send, spend more time on one person instead of spreading out his attacks. Odin's blessing equally. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I would say small shout outs. Okay, so field dressing is not yes, a small yeah. shout out. It is <laughs> up there with uh, Pierce for Hire for the reasons Jacob had explained earlier. Uh, I would say Brace and Indomitable so, are subtly good. Um, oftentimes Thanos might just get a throw with his punch and it will be enough. Um, yeah, I see a lot of people saying don't bring Brace against Black Order because they don't tend to take people with throws. Uh, like I said, Voodoo's got a throw, but it's, it's not a massive one. But it's really that uh, a lot of the times, sometimes the game will come down to Thanos being required to do damage. Now, typically things are in a bad spot for the Black Order player, if that's true. When you're relying on Thanos to kill things for you, you you're probably fighting uphill a little bit. Sometimes you'll throw punches with Thanos just because he has literally nothing better to do. Um, but relying on damage um, is difficult. He's he's got he's got the exact same strike as Thor does, which means that he relies a lot on the extra damage from hitting a wild and throwing you into a bit of terrain that's somewhere nearby behind you. So that's where the brace or indomitable comes in as being a useful tech piece, but it is nowhere near as vital as some of the other cards we've already mentioned. Yes, correct. Um, I'd also like to point out Blind Obsession. Uh, yeah, this got played in. This got played into me at LVO, and you can, if you have a character like Zemo or even Cable, like this is relevant for Desert. Uh, 
and they're not the characters that are at risk of getting focused to say like your domino gets pulled in or your Luke cage or something. And they're, they were dazed and now they're injured started around. You can blind obsess like your cable or your Zemo. So if they activate Corvus to kill that dazed character, your blind obsessed characters obsessed on, I should say they, they obsess Thanos and they have really high odds to just kill Thanos outright. Yeah. So absolutely. you can often like bait motherships or force the Black Order player into like uncomfortable situations. So you're using that to say it as a sort of a punishment for them activating first with Corvus and doing what they want to do. Exactly. That's fun. Um, um, escort to safety. Yeah. Is another one. I don't love it as much for the reasons I, you know, talked about with Gwen. It gets backstopped and whatnot easily by Proxima. Um, it also has like less range, higher power cost than Gwen. So, but it's better than most things. Uh, yeah, those. those the, I think those are the main ones. You can a med pack sometimes, but. Often med pack is not great against Black Order because they just kill you in one activation. Particularly if it's the husband and wife activation, they've just got four attacks coming at you. The med pack often doesn't have an opportunity to be played. So if you're worried particularly, then maybe you'd steer away from med pack and definitely steer towards field dressing instead. Yeah, I, I field dressing is hands down the best the best card into them. That in here is for higher. Um, another yeah. one I'm going to give a, a mention to is um, Helios laser beam that can sometimes just remove Thanos you know, yep, fair. round three uh, it's a little bit more dicey and it costs you a lot of power but uh, if Corvus has been wrecking people and but you've managed to keep them alive well enough if you're playing Iron Man you might well be having some bodyguards around that's not unusual uh, in the kind of lists he gets played in so that can just be a, a, a silver bullet for Thanos. I don't love it, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Um, Lethal Protector is another one that rings to mind for the same oh, reason. Heroes for Hire is good. I mean, I think a lot of people will tell you Venom is really good into Black Order. Mike, have you got a view on that? So, uh, <laughs> I um, Basically, I think Venom is okay. He's kind of expensive. You kind of want to be swarming three threats, uh, and Corvus can very much kill Venom. Yeah. Along uh, if, the Bla- if the Venom player feeds Venom, or like doesn't play him cagely enough, I will just kill him. Uh, yeah. I think very often people think Venom is going to live through anything, and he just doesn't against Black Order. Um, Proxima's got access to some decent energy attacks that can really hurt. Um, so I I have. He's not terrible by any means, but I think sometimes people will tell you, oh, the Black Order, just take Venom. I, I don't think that's true. I think you, you need to take him and know how to play him. Yeah, exactly. If you're reckless with him, he'll, he'll just get killed. And then the black, then you won't even have used Lethal Protector and you're feeling pretty bad about life. Yeah, yeah. and you're down a character <laughs> and a tactics card. Yeah. <laughs> um, talk about crises? Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, so two that are extremely bad for Black Order are the two spider ones, Spider Infected and Spider Portals. Um, spider Infected is restricted to one per character, 
and it's five extracts, so it scores pretty quickly. Um, Black Order can't really hold this. Corvus can't mothership with one holding one. Um, it scores quickly. Corvus's risk of getting moved out of activation. I, I don't uh, think it's very that, bad. Apart from late in the game, I don't think a Black Order player ever picks up a spider with Corvus. I just don't think that happens. Yep, exactly. But you know that's good for you, right? A so. different, yeah, it's a different type of pressure, isn't it? Um, yeah. Very often, Proxima will pick one up, but then she's got a spear that can throw her back to where she wants to be. So that's kind of a mitigation on that. Um, and you probably don't pick one up on Thanos, but yeah, what you're doing then is saying, "Well, I'm going to race, and can you kill me before I'm racing?" Uh, it's exactly. not a foolproof plan, but it's a decent plan. It's better than basically every other extract in the game, in my opinion. It's your best option. Um, and then Spider Portals is really bad because uh, Black Order just does not have the characters to run around the table and flip secures. And if you're the wide team, you can flip the secures and then go fight them while scoring VPs. And it's, uh, it's really hard to deal with. Uh, I would argue Researcher actually isn't great for Black Order. Like, Yeah, it's the perfect point value, but it creates a lot of questions for the Black Order player that they have to decide if they're going to let you score Researcher or if they're going to kill you. It's an interesting one. I think there are certain teams that can do really well on Researcher, um, particularly teams with lots of displacement. Uh, that they can have online from round one, and that's not every team, but there's, there's a decent number of teams that can do that. What it does do is it funnels everyone into an area. If you start, if Black Order commit hard and then you're committing hard into it, you've just got a big punch up in the middle, and to an extent, that's what Black Order wants. Yep. They'd rather do it piece by piece, piecemeal, scalpel you out, which is why um, Mike alluded earlier in the cast that they're good, one of the, one of the top two, in his opinion, on D-shapes. So that you're having to spread your guys out and then you can target individual models and pull them in and, and eat them. And yep. Thanos really helps with that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think Researcher, if you've got the right kit, I think it can be bad for Black Order, but I've played it a number of times and Black Order have felt pretty good on it. There are certain, like yeah. I said, there are certain opportunities to make it. I guess... I guess clarifying a little bit, I think it's bad for like people who are new to Black Order um, because I, I think it just creates a lot of questions that you have to know the answer to as the Black Order player on what your next move is going to be to actually get the efficiency off as well as be able to make impactful actions. Because if you go with a normal like play of like Thanos moving up and teleporting and doing all this type of stuff and getting Corvus up there... Um, then you're not scoring researcher and you're sacrificing it. Or if you are scoring researcher, you're sacrificing your um, Thanos activation like efficiency because he's going to have to move twice or move once and then portal and gem, um, which then he's not portaling the Corvus up as fast as he could. Like it just creates a lot of questions to find like the most opportune and like efficient way to do it. So like not practiced on it. I think black order actually suffers. Yeah, and it's an important one. Like, are you going to reel in? So I, your opponent runs and stands on the researcher. Do you reel in that person or do you go and stand on the researcher? Um, yeah. So there are more, you're building in more failure points for the Black Order player to make bad decisions. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm like trying to like allude to is like yeah. it's it creates a lot of questions. And if the person's like not 
practiced enough on it, it can create a lot of bad situations for a Black Order player. Yeah, you're saying that if the Black Order player is not practiced enough? Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah, I mean, that just kind of rings true to any Black Order pilot, um, honestly. I think yeah. researcher is like definitely not their worst extract. Uh, it just no. comes, it just becomes more dicey than you would like it to be, you know, because like randomly you, you just Corvus could get spiked and die, and then that's the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas like oh. when you're ac- isolating characters, like that's probably just not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, another another easy way for Black Order to lose, and this is not something to rely on, but when it happens, then it's just like, oh, this is such a hard game is on like scrolls or alien ship where you last activation of round one send someone annoying like toad off to the side where everybody isn't and randomly find the thing you find the macguffin and you pick it up and you're just like well rubbish now i've got to spend a whole load of effort to get over there and beat up toad and yeah it's all good it's all all all, all bad uh, if it's found uh, like early doors, you're like, great, I'm going to reel that person in, I'm going to eat them, and then I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to score lots of VPs. Yeah, so uh, another top tip, if you're playing against them on alien ship or scrolls, first few activations, do not look for it. Yeah. They almost certainly won't, because they won't want to be spending their power. That is, that The power economy in Black Order is really, really tight. It works, but it, they do not have power to spare in the early in the early game to go randomly searching. Corvus might, like round three go okay i'm standing near a rubble pile i might as well have a look and yeah i'm better at it because i've got a reality gem but they're very happy for it to stay on the ground for basically ever Um, i think what you're saying though i think it's not just like your first reactivations i think it's unless you have that opportunity like that toad situation that you said to look for it i don't think you ever look for it because then they're just going to kill you for it and take it now they're scoring the two points no you Um, absolutely look for it but it's always on the other side of the table from the black order player that's what i'm saying like unless you like like unless you have that opportunity which you should because like it's black order they're not going to be like that it's not going to be one-sided like you don't look for the creek core unless it's on the side that they're not at like that's the only place you're looking yes correct you want it to be found as soon as possible and you want it to be found on the other side of the table. Which yeah. is why you can kind of set up a bit of a gambit where you commit people to one far one on the alien ship scrolls and go like, well, I'm going to put a whole load of guys over here. And then you go, well, I better, I suppose I better start putting guys over there because that's where all your, your guys are and I need to go and, go and kill them. Uh, and then you set up for them to commit to one side and then you can try and take advantage of the other side again it's about building in failure points for the black order player making them make decisions it is uh we're not the first podcast to say this it's incredibly easy to lose with black order anyone who says that they're a really easy faction to get to grips with is i I think needs to play a bit more black order probably um you can just lose uh from one like one act one action wrong can lose you a game of black order and then, and then yep. that's that's before we start talking about just random dice and stuff. But you have to be very, very tight because you have so few actions. Every single one has to matter. Uh, I have a question for you too. Um, Fifteen or fourteen threats? Is that something that's good to force into them, or are there still ways around it? Uh, Fourteen uh, is particularly good. I think uh, you can pretty much get them into not playing either Thanos or Corvus or playing like Thanos and Corvus and play a point down. And there's just like, there's so many bad choices. That's assuming we're talking about a two gem, eight threat Thanos. Um, But isn't this kind of the situation where they're more than likely going to be just not playing black order? 
No, I think 15, they just run Bullseye and it's fine. Okay. You go Thanos, Corvus, Bullseye. And yeah, or, or it's totally. not ideal, but 15 is actually really good because then when they inevitably remove one of your pieces, then you've only got 12 threat left or 11 threat left to play against their 15 threat. So I think yep. the advantage is actually even bigger at the smaller threat levels. I find 15 threat really depends on what the scenario and matchup is. Um, you can run the Thanos Corvus two threat route because uh, a 15 means it's going to be either gamma or herb. Yep. And uh, if it's like a it's like a slugfest like into Hulk on herbs or something, it's pretty dicey mm. to play. You know the Black Order squad. If you are playing the 15 points of like Corvus Thanos threat into like wakanda like someone who's really good on gamma wave at low threats also you might just get outscored um it's a tough call but yeah not having proxima definitely if you feel it yeah Um, 14 you just won't see black order i don't think anyone's going to play point down corvus thanos no uh but you're going to see whatever their other affiliation is yeah i doubt anyone's bringing a mono black order uh, I think maybe I've seen one or two people with that kind of roster. I think it's just so easy to put in another affiliation that I, the opportunity cost in the, the current building system is so low. Um, I think nearly all the ways you're going to see them dual affiliated. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, 14 threat is like, like if you're playing on sword, like Blackwater is probably not playing sword in their list. So if it's sword, <laughs> no. Uh, that means they don't have priority and they just don't pick what the extract. They just pick whatever the extract threat is and probably just play Black Order on Sword, which is fine yeah. at higher so, threats. Yeah. You can and if it's unless they have both 14s, because if they win right. priority, then they pick the one that doesn't have a 14 in. And if you uh, lose priority, you pick the threat to be not 14 because you didn't bring one. Exactly. So it, it's it's tricky. But then, I mean, uh, Morgan Reed's talks about this on Strike Better. You know, he's considering just like, well, I start every roster with the two fourteen crises because then Black Order's got a problem, maybe. Like randomly, <laughs> I just like go with playing fourteen. I mean, I play Senators. Senators is by far the best choice in my list. Uh, I don't really want to talk about it, but <laughs> it's good. <laughs> no secret squirrel. It's all good. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we've kind of talked about a lot of specifics there. Um, The biggest bit of advice is play the matchup. If you're worried about Black Order, find someone who knows vaguely what they're doing and get some practice games into it. See how they run. uh, Try out some of the tricks we've talked about. See what works for you. Positioning is really key. I mean, it always is in in a miniatures game, but making sure your bodyguards are in range, making sure your cards got the right range on. So just practice that muscle memory of checking those distances for those particular characters who you've got. Um, looking carefully at power and order of activations. Just all of the basic fundamentals of the game really, really matter. Also, I also um, try, do not get tilted. Um, when, when you're opting in to play these practice games into Black Order, try your best to not get upset. Uh, just you know, accept it for what it is. This is what you have to do to be competitive with Black Order in its current state. And uh, Corvus is going to delete your characters, and you just have to move on. 
Yeah, it's getting more upset like, does no one any no one good. Yeah, it's more likely he does. You 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 count your blessings if he manages to not delete a character. Then yes, great. This is going badly for them. Uh, normal like the the normal course of the game will be Corvus deletes characters. Uh, I have one last question for you. Um, do you think Bucky is actually good in the Black Order because of the amount of Daisy and KO and Corvus will be doing? I think it completely depends on how many characters the Bucky player is playing. Yeah. It, it and, can be. Uh, and how good his dice are. Uh, but at the same time, you might end up just feeding Corvus more power to kill more people. Yeah. yeah. You've got to be really careful. Corvus actually quite likes being punched. Um, and he quite likes being dazed because then he gets massive attacks with Death's Decree. So choosing, you really need to consciously think and consider when and if you daze Corvus. And maybe your game plan is take Corvus off the table and great, do that. And if you can take Corvus off the table and trade it for him taking off like five threat of your stuff, like a three and a two or a, a, just a big five or something, maybe even a two threes, that's probably a good trade if it means that you can get Corvus off the table. And that's mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, maybe one of your routes to victory in the early game. Um, so maybe. Uh, I can see why you would say that, and I can see there's a strong argument there. Yeah, uh, I guess just like thinking, like to wrap up, like everything, because it's kind of like scattered throughout the whole entire episode. But I guess the biggest key takeaways are the tactics cards and play as an opportunistic. I think that really kind of just like that simple little statement kind of sums up everything. Mm. Yeah, you kind of have to adapt to what they're doing. Also, it might help you to play Black Order yourself. Yeah. Um, I know it helped for me. Uh, I was able, to, now that I've played them so much, I'm able to see when the Black Order player makes mistakes. Uh, it was not really that apparent before I had given them the reps. Um, obviously, these these uh, things don't interest a lot of people, but hey, if you're trying to uh, you know, really level up your game, this is the way to do it. I mean, that's true pretty much with any affiliation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of my success just in general is because I've played everything at this point. I mm. kind of know what my opponents want to be doing. That, that helps a lot. Like, really, yeah, your next level up is, like, understanding what your opponent wants to do in addition to what you want to do. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our opinions. Please note, as time continues, some information may become outdated, but we will do our best to refresh some of the more prevalent episodes to be current. Be sure to check out Across the Bifrost Nexus, where you can find all of your MCP content. And a big thank you to Discount Games Inc. and Blackgate Games, where you can find all of your MCP needs. And then a huge thank you to Atomic Mass Games for developing a game we all enjoy and love. We'll see you next time in the Danger Room.